0: flying on a Sunday. My ticket is a one-way. I'm about to play in the sky. I always knew you'd make it one day. Today was such a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Wazzy Circus Radio, a show where I sit down with the most amazing people that I've met in over a decade of professional skydiving. My guest today showed up at the Vietnam War as a 19-year-old chopper pilot. (laughs) He's now a 71-year-old who swoops a hybrid Valkyrie 96. No shit. 5,500 skydives, well, 4,400 skydives, 50 years in the sport. First jump was August 15th, 1968 in Anchorage, Alaska. Your new hero in life, my friends. My friend, George <laughs> Neeson. What up, baby? How are you, George?
1: I am doing great. Just having a ball.
0: Yeah, man. Fuck yeah, you're having a ball. Hey, um. so before the break, we were talking about um. you volunteered to be a scout. and After you were flying your regular, let's, I... let's, let's talk about flying helicopters in wartime, baby.
1: So you come in, you arrive in Vietnam, and you're flying the regular troop helicopters, the ones that the people see bringing the people in. Uh, but the, that coming into the hot LZs was a little tiny piece. You you flew all kinds of support stuff. And then I got hauled out to uh, fly a maintenance unit for a while, and then got crazy and decided I wanted to really fight the war. And. Volunteered into Air Cavalry and, and Scouts. And Scouts. And as I said, it, uh, that should have uh, automatically been a mental disqualifier. <laughs> People were always going the other way. They weren't going deliberately into the Scouts.
0: So when uh, you were in maintenance, you are flying parts into certain no, FOBs? Or?
1: No, actually the maintenance stuff was, uh, was in a unit that fixed helicopters, and I was uh, in charge of a uh, part of a platoon that uh, – put helicopters back together, and I was also a uh, maintenance test pilot.
0: Right on. Yeah. Main, so you've been in helicopters since you were?
1: Well, uh, me personally, I went to flight school. I was just barely 19 when I went to flight school. But my father was helicopters ahead of me. I think my first helicopter ride, I was six years old.
0: Six years old. And it messed your head up, didn't it? Uh
1: well, what got me into it permanently, actually, though, was uh, being drafted, and you could go in and maybe you're going to be a foot soldier, and I thought I would much rather fly.
0: Could you choose? If Kind of? If you te- Did you have to test? If
1: you go down and test, and mm-hmm. and I tested well enough to pick what I wanted to be.
0: So you were 19 years old hanging out, and you got drafted?
1: was going to get drafted.
0: Oh, and you went ahead and enlisted?
1: Uh, yeah, I wasn't supposed to know that, but I knew. I, I how, was, how did you know that? Somebody knew my mother. Okay. Called my mother. Said, "He's going to get called up for a physical." And back then, that meant you were going to. That if, was it. Yeah, if if you passed the physical.
0: So it wasn't every 19, 18 year old. It was was a lottery.
1: Not by at that point. Uh, it, I'm not sure exactly how, because not everybody that was nineteen years old got called up. Actually, most of them got called up for a physical, and. And most of them, if you were really fit and and passed basic psychological tests, you were you were going to get drafted. You in there. Yeah, you were
0: gone. So it was just a phone call or a letter in the mail, and you were going. Did everybody know? Like, did you have – was it a feeling like
1: – No, no. Somebody – since all of them are dead now, it doesn't matter. Uh, right. But a friend of my mother's was on the draft board. Okay. And she just called my mother right. and said – He's going to get called up for physical.
0: But, like, your friends. I mean, like, people around you. Like, what was the what was the feeling in the air?
1: Oh. Like, yeah, you're going to get, if you're a high school kid and you don't go to college, you're going to probably get drafted. Man.
0: 100% almost, huh? Uh,
1: real high, yeah.
0: What was the attitude of, on the war at this point?
1: At, it hadn't turned real south yet. Okay. Uh... I got to Vietnam in 67, and just about that time is when it started to turn. Of course, 68 is a famous year. I mean, and that was, uh, you know, the US is burning with riots, and and the Vietnam protests gone crazy. Uh, And so it was changed, the attitude was changing super fast. Uh, And I came back to a different country than I left. Then you
0: left. How long were you gone for?
1: A year and a half.
0: That quickly?
1: Yeah. It was in progress, but, you know, when you're really young, you don't see some of these things. Uh, it depends on your maturity level. And uh, and it was missing me. And, of course, being in Alaska, at that time, the, there wasn't the, the near the communications that we have now. Uh, right.
0: No internet. This is way pre internet. Way yeah. pre internet.
1: Uh, actually, uh, no live TV in Anchorage compared from lower 48.
0: Really? 1968. That's a real time. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's so long ago. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. So you've. Kind of finished your tours, and then you chose to step up to the scouts?
1: Yes. I, I, If I had not done anything about a month more and I would have come home after a year, that was your normal service was a year. If you extended your service voluntarily for another six months, you could, within reason, pick what you wanted to do that you were qualified for. Okay, and I was already qualified in that aircraft for maintenance test flying. And uh, I said I wanted to go do a job that most other people didn't want.
0: All
2: right. So off, I, off I went.
0: Off you went. Now explain your the, the 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 scout chopper, and the duties like not the duties but your your mission.
1: So it's uh, for people that are somewhat familiar with the ah. The helicopter in uh, Hawaii, the original Hawaii Five O. I don't know which one they're using now, okay. but the original one, that uh, nice egg-shaped thing with the kind of round boom out the back, that style was the helicopter that was originally used uh, extensively for scouts. Uh, the mission, you worked with a, uh, a gun team. Uh, our particular unit, Work kind of heavy. We worked two scouts together, two gunships, and oftentimes a, a command and controls and rescue helicopter overhead. Okay. And the, the basic mission was we were the scouts for the fourth uh, division. Uh, they'd send us out to find things and yeah, you know, basically go find stuff, get, gather intelligence.
0: So what gunships are following you?
1: We had Cobras.
0: Oh, okay. Did you?
1: And they were circling at fifteen hundred feet over our heads.
0: And you guys were down dirty, huh?
1: We flew below treetop. The the lower you could be, the safer you were. Really. So, you as you flew along, you kind of bobbed and weaved with the tops of the trees, Uh, and we were moving at a A slow run uh, uh, so that you could see because you're looking down through three layers of forest, triple, as I mentioned, triple canopy jungle. Yeah, triple canopy jungle. Really hard to see until we learned what to look for, how to find a straight line. Straight line doesn't happen a lot in nature. So when you see a straight line or you see broken dirt, you found something. But at first we couldn't see it.
0: Have you drawn fire? A lot. A lot. Have you been hit?
1: Uh, No actual bullet holes in the helicopter from enemy fire. I had shrapnel damage from uh, the gunship. The Cobras fired rockets trying to protect us and got them a little too close underneath us, and I took a little shrapnel damage. But that was a good thing because the bad guys were running for cover. Uh,
0: You took rocket damage from in your own, helicopter
1: from from our own rockets <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to, uh, i'll give you two war stories one's kind of quick we're we're scouting and uh you said i said no bullet holes in the helicopter so one day we actually we drew fire where it was totally unexpected we were thought this area was and we actually i had an inexperienced observer riding next to me and uh all of a sudden we think we see something as we circle back and somebody opens fire and tracers and it's one tracer then four or five bullets and another tracer so I see a tracer out front just in front of the bubble I see a tracer that seems to have passed between the top of the bubble and the rotor blades and then a tracer. The doors are open off these helicopters cause so we can observe. And a tracer went through the cockpit.
0: Oh, jeez!
1: Right over the top of my hand. Where are all the rest of the bullets? Because there were no bullet holes in the helicopter or the rotor blades or anything. Uh, and after that, the I had a reputation with the observers of being charmed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so to this day. Uh it went through the cockpit a tracer round went through the cockpit
1: open door open door
0: and you had two observers one 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 i see
1: and the other scout that i that i kind of circled Jesus. had two observers i flew with one observer and i had an electric a minigun hanging out the left side
0: <laughs> and i would use that to cover lead jeez oh, why would they shoot why would they use a tracer
1: so you can see what you're shooting at.
0: Okay, but doesn't it give you a location away?
1: Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's that's
0: smart. <laughs> it's, it's how
1: you hit things, especially the uh, Vietnamese people at that time in general didn't have sports that taught you lead. Okay. And so the idea of throwing that pass to the runner, if you don't have any sports that everybody plays... You don't have any concept of lead. Okay. But even our own troops, they use tracers. Uh, Right. And uh, it it lets you know where you're shooting, especially when you're scared and Uh you might not be aiming right, like you're holding the gun and looking that way. And it goes through. And it goes, oh, I need to put the bullets here.
0: (laughs) So, like, was it like just, did you just keep, I guess you had to. You just kept flying and dealt with it later, the fact? Or was there a moment where you were like, what the hell am I doing? Ah, uh, in, in, in the time. And this is,
1: let me give you a, a good quote and a look at people. This, the quote is from Hemingway, and it's for whom the bell tolls. And he says, war is a young man's game. And what he means is that the young, like I was, you think you're bulletproof, you know you're bulletproof, right? You know, and and so you can get out there and do that. And so, when if you're sane, I was. I mean, when they're actually shooting, yes, you're scared, but you're functional,
0: right? You're in uh, the moment. You're you're, you're moving. Moment. Yeah.
1: Skydiving emergencies, right? You know, if, if you you do it and and take care of it, we were getting shot at. We took care of it in that particular case. My observer froze. I mean, he was brand new and uh, failed to throw a smoke grenade out, which is as soon as we started getting fire, his response was supposed to be throw a grenade, smoke, and then return fire. And
0: What does what the smoke do? Does it mark?
1: It marked it so that those gunships. Those
0: gunships gun can let them have it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but he froze. He froze. And so uh, I knew exactly where the fire had come from. And so uh, lead then is on me. He's going to kind of cover me, the lead scout. And I'm saying, hey, we'll come back and mark it. Right. And my observer is going. "Uh, uh," And uh, just his mouth's working. (laughs) And uh, I laughed, which. He didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't good. I mean, I, yeah. I, anyway, we came back over the top and threw smoke, drew a little more fire, and beat the heck out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: now, you said you had a minigun hanging off the left. Yeah. So you would fire and fly. Mm-hmm. How'd that mess with the torque of the chopper? A lot. So you had to counter and aim and fly. Gosh, man. And this is in the 60s. Yeah.
1: And and that was all, uh, you didn't have any aiming device. It was all Kentucky windage. I mean, you had to understand the gun was fixed. Uh, fixed. Horizontally, but you could move it up and down vertically okay. through a, a certain amount. Uh, but it was basically fixed, and you aimed the helicopter.
0: With your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Feet fly. In. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. So what do you do for fun? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You dive Valkyries at the ground now. That's what you do for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. So when you when you left the service, did you did you, did you stay in helicopters?
1: Yes, I uh, stayed flying helicopters. I was uh, went back to Alaska and mm-hmm. uh, managed to get uh, a helicopter job. They were hard to come by because there were so many of us getting out of the army. Right, uh, but. Uh, People up there had known my father. Okay, and uh, I was able to excuse knock on a couple doors and get a job.
0: Right and, on and start flying. What were you doing? Supplies and uh, hunters, or
1: no, no uh, helicopters and hunting is a no-no. Uh,
0: Not in Texas.
1: Well, yeah, I I don't. Can they shoot deer? I don't think they. No, can just shoot deer. hogs. They can shoot just hogs, and that's a that's a vermin. Uh, yeah. In Alaska, they can. I think oh, you mean somebody, pure hunt. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. You, you can't. You can't even with in Alaska carry hunters in with a helicopter. Period.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: if you knowingly carry somebody in that hunts, you know the closest you can do is you can take people into a cabin if they've already got a known location. Okay, and then. They have to be. It's at least 24 hours, and it may be more than that before they can uh, shoot at anything.
0: Why is that?
1: Helicopter has too many advantages to, as they used it to scout in Vietnam. Right, you scout some yeah. animals, land. Although slaughter. they they do it with the the Super Cubs, and it's kind of the same thing. But at least it, you know, with you can't land, see it, they land and, and they go. You know, you know so uh, pillage a, yeah, basically. It, yeah, exactly, it's. Tightly, tightly regulated, and uh, you get caught, they take your helicopter.
0: Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Fishing game. They're gonna take whatever they want. Yeah,
1: they they take it all. <laughs>
0: have you have you read any James Clavell? Yeah. He wrote shogun. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Okay. Did you? Okay. So later on in the book series, they own a helicopter. They own helicopters, and they fly guys yeah. to and from oil rigs in the Middle East, and those are hella stories. Like, like, what were you doing out in Alaska? Like,
1: uh, after a while, at first it started out. I did uh, survey and mining, forest fire. As things went along, when the, uh, if you know what the pipeline was, the Trans Alaska Pipeline, right? I, uh, I flew on that from beginning to end.
0: They have. I'm probably wrong. Does that have something to do with the Valdez? Oh yes. Okay, I was, I was a baby then. <laughs> it was a the Exxon Valdez was <clears throat> one of our first major oil spills in in our country and it destroyed everything.
1: Not everything. That's that's a a, a huge exaggeration. Okay. Uh, I've got a lot of personal experience. I mean I I went I had left Alaska. I went back to Alaska uh just after the oil spill because our company needed Every experienced person that they could lay their hands on, people that knew the waters that had flown in uh, Prince William Sound where the oil spill happened. So uh, I went back and flew on a lot of the cleanup. I landed on the Exxon Valdez after the spill. They, They used it as a heliport. Wow. Uh, I'll uh, I'll slam uh, Exxon and and their legal people. Uh, the oil spill people told them when it first started to spill to set
0: it on fire. Now, but right, to burn it off,
1: burn off as much of the nasty as you could. And they didn't. And the legal people said, "Oh, we can't do that. That admits fault."
0: Oh gee, so they just let it go.
1: Yeah, and and now you can still go back to. The bad beaches, the ones that really got a lot of oil, and if you dig, there's right there. There's still oil. Yeah.
0: That was our first um, exposure as a public to oil-covered du- um, ducks and wildlife and geese and animals just flopping. And that was before Dove Soap was out there, right? That was <laughs> like, man, what are the what are the biggest challenges in flying helicopters in situations like that? I know it's the wind, the cold. Mechanics? Uh, the biggest challenge there
1: within Prince William Sound tended to be the weather. It, it could be really variable and it could change pretty quickly. And you're on a whole lot of islands with limited places even for a helicopter to go land. Uh, so it challenged your uh, judgment. Uh, Although constantly, yeah, some of the helicopters I was flying then were very well instrumented uh, Mm -hmm. with their own radar. And uh, we even had plans set up where we could get ourselves back in uh, to the Valdez Harbor Mm -hmm. in really bad weather.
0: Okay. Have you ever had to set down because of weather? Oh, yeah. Have you ever crashed? Yes. How many times? One time. One good one?
1: One good one. Uh, 1972, October 6th, approximately.
0: So fresh out of the war, a couple years out of, at home.
1: First time that I had flown in the winter. Company, a lot of lack of training. Very first time I ever encountered what's called a whiteout. I.e., the ground's all white. It had just, again, October 6th, it's just winter, even in the far, far north.
0: Is this uh, Alaska? mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And uh, I was trying to get up to Dead Horse, Prudhoe Bay, so that I could go home. And uh, I turned up out of a riverbed, excuse me, riverbed, out over white nothing, and before I could get everything squared away, hit the ground.
0: So you couldn't tell what was up for a second?
1: You you couldn't see ground at all because uh, everything was just white. It was, was it like
0: being white. in a cloud or a canopy? It,
1: it, it's the same. Uh, there's no, no reference. Right. And, but under canopy, you've got gravity working for you.
2: All right.
1: If you're in motion the helicopter, you don't have anything but if you can get onto your instruments quickly enough and get yourself squared away.
0: Oh, but now you're flying blind.
1: Anyway, I wasn't good enough on instruments then, and uh, it hit the ground, and it went tumbling. Wow. I woke up and strapped into what was left, and my feet were on the ground shit in what was left of the
0: helicopter
1: I crawled out uh, in shock and I knew that I had to take care of myself. It. it's October 6th it's going to get cold tonight Right. in fact it went to 10 degrees that night as best as closest reporting <sighs> I got stuff out of the helicopter there was survival gear Sleeping bag, I took interior out, put it on the snow, because uh, I was there for 23 and a half hours.
0: So, it took
1: a while. So, my they, question. for them to find me, yeah.
0: So, was there an automatic
1: beacon? Yes, uh, but uh, nobody received it then. Uh, there were very limited over-the-pole flights, and that would have been the only people that would have heard it. Uh, Damn it so they, they see so you in the middle
0: of freaking nowhere and in the middle of that
1: yeah i'm i'm actually not that far from from dead horse it was uh what was it i only had like 8 miles to go
0: okay uh, to, and that's a s- small town in alaska
1: it's uh that oil base yeah, there was okay. a runway there gotcha. actually two runways and oil facilities this is where they had gotcha. discovered the uh, oil up on the
0: north slope yeah so wolves, bears.
1: No, not a concern.
0: Not a concern. Why not?
1: Uh, You're in Alaska. It, it's it, The brown bears, and there's not a lot of them up there on the North Slope, by this time are pretty much danned up. They're, okay, they're, they're it's not, winter. Yeah, they're getting lazy. Uh, the, the polar bears uh, haven't come in yet. They're still out. Uh, and... Uh, Wolves won't bother a healthy person. Just you, uh, that's, it's just not a, you know, okay. I had a gun, but uh, right. it, 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 that was uh, of no concern. My okay. my only concern was protecting myself, knowing that it was going to get cold, cold. and And I was going to be outside in the cold.
0: And I'm sure they had survival. You said there was a sleeping bag. Was there a flare gun and kindling? Not kindling, but something to start a fire. And there was, but the, the only thing
1: to start at the fire was the helicopter I was leaning against, and that wasn't a, a real good plan. <laughs> right, right,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, there was uh, there was some food there. Uh, I did not. Uh, I don't remember eating anything. Uh, I was. Uh, I had internal injuries. Yeah, you were uh, shop and you just crashed. And, broke uh, and the plane. I, I had uh, seatbelt injury. Uh, okay. Uh, that uh, caused some problems for, but uh, so hunger wasn't uh, on my mind at all. At all, man.
0: So um, you told me two war stories.
1: Oh. The uh, the other is uh, so uh, we were scouting in an area. Hmm. And uh, quite honestly, we were back for the second day. Bad idea. And uh, Because they saw you the day before, and now now you're back. And at any rate, uh, we we worked in two groups. Like uh, our group of Cobras and Scouts was sitting back at a uh, field where there was fuel. And the other guys, uh, two more Scouts, two more. Uh, gunships are out flying and uh they stirred it up. Uh, and uh when the uh gunship rolled in, uh the bad guys went, Gotcha. Mm. They
0: uh they were ready Will they
1: have- had a fifty caliber machine gun and they took out the Cobra.
0: They took at fifteen hundred feet?
1: As it rolled in at some point there and uh and it it went in and uh our uh, commander, uh, no, nobody left behind. Put uh, our uh, ground platoon in in a nearby open area, and uh, they got in a lot of trouble. Oh man! Uh, and so they called for reinforcements, and uh,
0: these guys were ready this time. Yeah. they were ready and, yeah. they knew and, it. They and knew the it.
1: reinforcements were getting their ass kicked before they could when they finally joined up with our guys and uh, by the as this, we're bringing we bring in the Air Force and the you know bring in the jets and we've got more gun teams and we're trying to protect our people you know we've got a now uh, like 150 or 180 people on the ground and certain numbers of them are dead, and uh, it isn't going good. Right. And uh, and then right towards the latter part of the day, uh, uh, our our platoon commander, who was outranked by the company commander that came in, had become in charge. The other guy had gone, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so anyway, our guy was cool, but he finally says, uh we don't have enough ammunition to get through the night. Shit, uh, we've got to have more. And uh, our CEO says no problem. And uh, I heard all this happening, and they were going to use a the Huey, the the bigger helicopter, to go take ammunition. And I, I ran up to him and went. If you do, you'll have another helicopter down. They'll, they, it won't make it, not, right, not a it's, chance.
0: It was too big and too slow?
1: Too, too easy in a target, and they're gonna expect it. And uh, and he goes, well, what? And he says, well, you load our two scouts up here with all kinds of ammunition. And he says, and we go out there like we're gonna relieve the other guys. He says, they're not shooting at us except when we actually try to spot something, when we get slow in some place, they'll shoot at us. But other than that, they don't w- want us to know where they're at. So they, I says, we can come in there. And
0: hauling ass.
1: Not, not really hauling, just coming in like we we're relieving the other guys and just suddenly mosey over to the top of our own troops and kick the ammunition out. And he says, they won't start shooting at us until we're already leaving. Wow. And in fact, we were able to do that. We were Man, able to go it in it there worked. and kick all this ammunition out. And uh they shot at us and no bullet holes in me. The the lead bird got a couple of hits, but I got none.
0: At what at what height do bullet are bullets ineffective?
1: Uh it depends on what it is. 50 uh, cal. Yeah. So a fifty cows out to the their mile. tracers uh three thousand feet and, and they can it, the bullet's still effective a mile out. The uh small arms seven point six two uh mm-hmm is, uh, you know, uh, less than 1,500 feet. And that's, that's AKs. Yeah, AK-47. Yeah, AK the 47. yeah. Uh, and
0: then 5.56 the, is probably less than that.
1: The, the uh, M16, about the, they're about the same. Uh, you said 1,200? Yeah, about 1,200 foot. So 1,500
0: feet, day. they would be safe from... Or, yeah. But that, that 50 cal comes out, and it's...
1: A whole other thing.
0: Uh, you have no idea what they have.
1: No, but... You know, hauling around that fifty cow was a lot of work. So you didn't usually encounter them. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, the, that was about the biggest thing that you. Uh, and I heard the radar from a, a twenty once, a twenty millimeter radar guided. Uh, we we'd learned, had been told what it sounded like, and I I heard it once. Well, the shot? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a the the beep in the headset. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, the FM would pick up if you got swept by their radar. Oh, it'd go beep. Oh and shit! And you'd get a beep, beep, and and you didn't. We were. I don't know this fact. I was told you didn't want to hear three beeps. Right. <laughs> dee,
0: dee, dee. <laughs> oh. So when you, when you left the service, did you miss it? Do you miss it now? Mm-mm. Not at
1: all. Uh, to be perfectly honest, you know, I talk about being brave. And all that, and and actually, on that same action, the next day, I saw something that I'll never, ever forget. I got asked to go back. As a maintenance guy, I had had some experience flying front seat in a Cobra, and they knew I could do it. And they asked me to go back front seat in a Cobra because I knew where everything was at. And the job of the front seater, as much as anything, is to suppress fire after the rocket run so that you don't get shot. And so I'm sitting up front and uh, suppress
0: it with a machine gun.
1: Yeah, machine gun and a grenade launcher. Okay. It's on a turret and uh, you, you hold this neat handle in your hand with a kind of sight, uh, and you can aim the gun. Uh, and it's got a little bit of thinking power to uh, do its own windage for airspeed. But anyway, we're back uh, and uh, things are going south again uh shit so uh well like the next day yeah this is the next morning next and, uh, morning
0: so the scouts are parked the platoon did they ever no, no, get out uh, of there
1: uh, uh the platoon and the relief company are still there on the ground
0: they're still there on the they, ground they,
1: they've, they've made it through the night holy uh, shit but the the bad guys realize that reinforcements are going to be coming right you know so they're going to press time. and so it's it's now or never right and so they're putting a shit pot full of
0: pressure on our ground people and uh our ground and, guy goes, and we never got to the pilot. the The original Cobra pilot still, uh, yes, they did. They did over the night. Overnight, somebody got to. No, it. They oh, okay. actually, our original
1: platoon, platoon got, got to got that to area, them. and that's the, the bad guys knew that it was as soon as they saw them come, and they knew what was up, and they were waiting on them right there. Uh, so, did the pilot make it? Uh, yeah, uh, no, no, no. Neither, neither. Neither one of them made it. They were, they were dead,
0: uh, at least on impact. I okay. Mean, uh,
1: but, uh, Shit!
0: So the guys are there all night. You you restocked them with ammo, but yeah,
1: they've made it through the night. And our and our ground guy, this guy was cool. I mean, he looked like a store clerk and had carried around his balls in a wheelbarrow. Yeah, uh, right on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just any rate, he he's at the, They're putting a lot of pressure on us, and uh, I'm worried that we. But I have an idea. And. He says, we're well dug in here. We're all below ground level. Uh, So uh, what I want to happen is that uh, when I pitch smoke out here, I want you to come around for at least one, and if I ask for it, a second pass on the smoke. Right. That's on his position. He wants us to rocket his position. Rocket his position. Rockets, not not bullets, rockets.
0: He believes he's dug in enough.
1: That unless you put a a rocket in a hole, it could happening. happen. And, and he says, we're going to, as they up the pressure here, we're going to start to reduce our fire. So they come closer. To make them come in. And when... This is him talking and saying, when I think that they're really moving, I'm going to throw smoke and you're going to roll. Balls in a wheel. I was sitting in the front seat, the back seat, Cobra driver's the one that fires rockets. But I'm sitting in the back seat watching our Cobra roll in and expend rockets on our own position.
0: And it worked. Fuck. It,
1: it. Killed off enough of the bad guys, and they they just decided it wasn't worth it anymore. And almost right after that, they started fading.
0: And we only had the one Cobra at that point.
1: No, we had, and there were more to back us up. I mean, okay, it, so, it, so, I mean, so there okay. were uh, we we probably had four sets of release, so we probably had at least eight Cobras. Oh,
0: uh, you guys just let them have it, <laughs> but, no, just,
1: uh. but they only rolled that one in. We we put what twenty four rockets on them. Uh,
0: Shit. And
1: uh and he, did the we, trick and our ground guy after in the in the after action absolutely refused to state whether any of the people were injured or killed by friendly fire.
0: Mm. Right. It worked, he's like legal. He it worked alone.
1: and stand up guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Balls in yeah. a wheelbarrow. Yeah,
1: yeah. It it was I mean it was to be sitting there, watching those rockets go, knowing that, that, yeah, that's a lot of bad guys out moving, but, you know, we're basically shooting on at top our own, of our
0: boys on our own people. Man, that's heavy. So yes, um, this, this very, brings yeah. up. Um, so I've had like I've had a lot of military guests. I just love it. I love I love I love my freedom, and I know what it takes to get it. Kind of not really, but. I know that other countries and people don't have the opportunities I do, and I know the reason I have them. So I'm really appreciative of it. Oh,
1: um, well, let me add one more thing. Yes, please. That whole Vietnam, and I said I came back to a different country. Yeah. Our country's learned a wonderful lesson out of all of that. My welcome home just sucked. There's no other way to describe it. Right. You know, and... Uh, now, the American public, no matter how they feel about the politics, they respect and treat our troops great, almost uniformly. You hardly ever see anything but
0: that, and
1: right. and I believe that's a direct result of of Vietnam,
0: of the aftermath of what,
1: and the people there realized what had happened. You know, and of course a lot of the people now, the Vietnam guys are my age and but you know, the country's changed its heart and it's stuck right. and it's it's a it's a really positive thing.
0: Well it's it's also we've we've had a lot of science and research on the effects of war on you know, our citizens and our, our, our people that serve. Like so what I was building to is did you suffer from any post war traumatic stress?
1: I did not think so at all for years.
0: Right. You thought you just walked you know, away, but you can't yeah. just walk I, you away.
1: You know, I, 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 oh, I, I started to mention that, I, you know, bravery and all that. Right. You know, on the flip side of that, uh, when I was getting really close to time to go home uh, the last time I'd done my scout thing, uh, in a, this blinding flash of brilliance... I realized that I could get killed doing what I was doing, you know uh, like duh <laughs> right. uh, and I knew that that being afraid was
0: bad. It was over.
1: Well, it it made you think in situations where you needed to just flow do, yeah right. just flow with what's going on and and I knew that and that made it worse. Mm-hmm. And I went to my CEO and said, i'd like out of the scouts no no problem he let me out and then uh, one day uh we had a swimming pool uh for uh, for a lot of the units but i'm up at the pool and uh a rocket hits somewhere way far away i mean nobody else there they might have gone hmm you know right i dove in the pool As I came up on the edge of the pool, the the CEO is standing there looking down at me. And he goes, "Uh, this really has gotten to you, hasn't it, Mr. Nissen? And all I could say was, yes, sir. It's pretty obvious. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, he looked down at me and says, "Uh, still got your friends at Cameron? That's a a relief. And I said, "Uh, I believe so why don't you go home? Wow. And I, you weren't supposed to be able to do that then anymore, but uh, I went home almost two weeks early. He oh, so. he cut orders for me and sent me home.
0: Yeah, because that's a good dude. I got dude. scared. That's a good dude. Good well, dude. he knew you'd freeze. If- well, I don't know that he knew that,
1: but he knew that, that, uh, that I'd done my part and that mm. he could spare me and that uh, – I'd done what he had been asking, uh, so he sent me on my way.
0: And then you get home, shitty reception.
1: Not not like you've heard a lot of people. Just uh, if it came up in conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't encounter but one time of even a little bit ugly. No no spit. No No nothing ugly. No screaming. okay. But 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 no. no wrap their arm around you, thank you for your service. Eh, none no, none of that. <laughs> no, yeah, n- yeah. no welcome back. No 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 welcome back, no. none of none of that. Uh but I I just at that point uh went out looking uh for a flying
0: job. Uh-huh. And did you go straight back to Alaska? Mm-hmm. Oh, right on. And did you, when did you, you Okay, August fifteenth, nineteen sixty eight. So you made your first jump before you went to the war? In between. In between. I, okay, here we go. Well. Because you went a, in, in 1967, as well so you got to come home for a leave, and you were like. You
1: got a free 30-day leave when you extended that didn't count against your leave, and they sent you home. Okay. So I went home, and then I knew I wanted to start skydiving.
0: How? And this is with round parachutes. Oh, I mean. And belly yeah. reserves. Yeah. Sorry. That was my hand, yeah. 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 Yes. Round. The old
1: 28-foot, not even the T-10s that uh, the other guy. this was the 28-foot modified uh, and belly reserves. Uh, I knew I wanted to skydive for two reasons. My stepfather had been a Navy rigger back when they were developing ejection seats. And when you get to that part of the testing, when it's time to send... A live dummy, <laughs> mm-hmm. they asked for volunteers among the guys that were rigging the ejection chutes. And he volunteered twice. He got blown out of the back of a jet twice. Twice.
0: How do they do that?
1: Because they didn't sacrifice a jet. They just, it was. Oh, no, it just, it just sacrifices a uh, canopy. That's. Oh, okay. So. The, uh, Whichever if the primary pilot was in the back, then the front guy, wherever you know the secondary pilot was sit, he he would grab. He would the go to the fools. The fool, out Toosh. you go. Oh, Holy and, shit! <laughs> yeah, and, and there it was just a shell. You know, it wasn't the rockets like now. So he'd done what do you, that. What do you mean, just a shell? Uh, it literally was like a mortar shell. It was an explosive charge. It wasn't a rocket like now. Oh my God! Oh, a lot of people, a lot of back injuries. So it blasted
0: calm. you out of the fucking <laughs> Truly totally
1: blasted you out.
0: Kaboom. Oh, like an M80 on a trash can. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah. did it twice. Yep, did that twice. I, I heard there's a lot of injuries from the landings in those things. Like, you just, I mean, it's around, but it's a lot of weight. Those chairs are heavy, and you just. Well,
1: actually, if everything works like it's supposed to. One of his rides didn't, and he actually pushed away and, and deployed himself. That's the one that he loved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he got free fall back when they didn't know how. <laughs> uh,
1: and, anyway, he talked about that. And then uh, while I was in that maintenance unit, before I went to the cavalry, a guy named Bobby Busher arrived. Uh maybe a first lieutenant, but second lieutenant, uh, ex-Army Golden Knight. Okay. Ex-competition team world record holder, multiple world records. Right. Well, where we were at, at yon Vietnam, was a garden spot, and the U.S. Army Golden Knights used to basically be a special forces club. <laughs> if you weren't special forces, you didn't bother to apply to the Knights. Okay. So his buddies from the Knights and Special Forces are there in Vietnam. And if they could, so a number of people, uh, oh, all of a sudden I've had something to drink. Uh, Lloyd Bryden and, uh, oh, it starts with a D. Anyway, some famous people, what turned out to be famous people in the the skydiving world came by to visit Bobby. And I listened to them talking skydiving and went, that's it.
0: Yeah. So you're in Vietnam. You're what, maybe 20 now? Yeah. You just turned 20. Just fresh 20. And you're listening to these guys in the next room talk about jumping out. of.
1: I've been in 20 for a while. Yeah, and now I'm headed back to the States. And you're like, and dude, I turned I'm going to
0: rock. rock that. Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm going to, and I get back and I call up John Vonish and I say, uh, I want to learn to skydive.
0: And what was the name of the drop zone at the time?
1: Uh, I don't know that it had a name. Uh, it was the... Uh, Anchorage Sport Parachute Club, and then they were jumping really close to Anchorage International Airport. I mean, in, nobody has a drop zone that close to International Airport anymore. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, we, we were inside the five miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, that's where we took off from. We. When we landed, we had to drive back to the International
0: Airport. Holy shit.
1: That was pretty common uh, in In the day. Yeah, when you went way back then. There weren't a lot of places that that really...
0: Damn it, this is pre-70s, people. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. uh, So what were you... What plane? What plane? What plane? uh, Cessna
1: 180, and then later uh, Gene got a Cessna 185.
0: (laughs) Do either of those even exist anymore? Oh, sure, sure. I've never seen an 80 or an 85. Uh, well, you, 82s you, all day. Yeah, two, yeah. See, and sixes. actually the
1: uh, Cessna 180 uh-huh. and the 182 are basically the same. The, the 180 sits on, as a tail dragger, and the 182. Oh, I've is,
0: seen the 180. Yeah.
1: I've seen and the the 185 180. is the bigger, more powerful
0: brother. Okay. Uh, yeah, kind so of why a, don't we jump 185s then? That seems like it makes more uh, sense. Uh,
1: because it's a, a, because it sits on the tricycle gear, you have no useful wheel. Oh. To get to stand on the wheel is a uh, so it's fairly just a... acrobatic. Uh, you'd love it. You'd be right. all over it.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Because two reasons. One is you got to swing around the strut uh-huh. and get onto the wheel, and now you're don't reach too far forward because the props there.
0: Oh Jesus. But and it, it, of course you worry that oh well, I could hold fall hold in. Hold on one more time one time. So you crawl through the wing strut to no, get to no, the no, wheel. No.
1: you'd swing under it. Crawl trying to it. crawl okay. over it was actually turned out to be harder. You would
0: okay. get out there and your rig would get stuck it, in between or something.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. And uh but even crawling around it uh, could lead to problems. Uh I did that one day and uh you know, uh your your really fun things in skydiving accidents uh they're all usually always a sequence of events i I got to to test that you know Uh borrowed gear perfect yeah uh doing something that you don't normally do Uh, i wasn't the guy that normally swung around up onto the front but i had so okay i so i got my borrowed gear and i swing around and this is the days of the ripcord yeah, uh, yeah. So, rip cords in the to process the process of, of hugging that strut, and I knocked
0: the ripcord out of the pocket. You gripped and you swung around and pulled it right on. I out. Knocked, knocked the rip cord out of the pocket. Oh, just out of the pocket. It didn't. De- it didn't deploy. It just, no, no. It just it knocked it out down. of the pocket. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, and I kind of realized it was happening and didn't bother me because I knew that. The housing was tacked down right here, and so all I had to do was... Right. All good. Borrowed gear. (laughs) A a wee modification.
0: Oh, geez.
1: In order to make for a really cool pull so that it didn't go around the corner like that, you could cut that loose so that the thing floated free. Mm -hmm. So I'm in free fall in my ripcord
0: is back there behind me and you're like right here like where are you
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you got to have a little more fun you know so it's a group and you're tracking off and this gal is below me and and i turn and she and we do this a couple times and now uh i'm at 2000 you're low i'm 2000 feet when i discover i've got no ripcord
0: oh jesus
1: I knew that if I back looped, the ripcord would be right there.
0: So you knew, for some reason, you knew it was there. Well,
1: as soon as it wasn't here, you realized. I, I looked and. Of course, and, yeah. Because remember, it's a nice, shiny housing,
0: housing just right. like our reserve. Right.
1: You know, and it's not there, so it's right there.
0: Right. It's somewhere, otherwise, it'd be deployed. And, so Yeah,
1: but I couldn't get it. Oh, geez. And. Uh, so what did you do? Uh, at, uh, 1,000 feet, I pulled the reserve.
0: Which is the belly reserve that you had to unzip and feed? No, no,
1: no. no. Back by this time, we had put pilot chutes on them. Uh, it wasn't – when I very first started, you – if you were completely back to earth or completely stable face to earth and you pulled the reserve ripcord on a belly, it's possible you would have to help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we were trained for. You were trained to do this and, and come back, and uh, punch it, and punch it,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: bitch open. <laughs> but by this time, uh, they were uh, uh, had uh, pilot chutes on them. Okay. And uh, so second- spring-loaded
0: pilot suits. Mm-hmm. Fuck a spring-loaded pilot suit. Yep, yep. So, 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 were you trained to roll to your back? To get it out, because it's on your belly. You don't want to deploy from your belly. Yeah. And not they
1: told you to leave one hand out. Or if you came both hands in, to put this hand out. Uh, but uh, mostly you were taught to you do this, because this hand, of course, got the ripcord in it. Something could get entangled. So right. This is a lot cleaner. Jesus. I've, I've actually seen that the belly reserve go by twice. What do you mean? Uh actually I take it back three times. Uh I I've deployed uh the belly reserve
0: three times.
1: Uh my second free fall.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this uh one that we're uh we're talking about, the the, uh-huh. the borrowed gear, and then a uh a cutaway from the, the very first square. In Alaska, Alaska, yeah, uh, cutting away from uh, shot and halves.
0: Oh, the the, the hit
1: punch pull. Ugh. Right, you undo the cover, no, and just and pull the, the metal things. rings.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> man, that is nuts. It, our sport, has
1: changed, grown, and improved so much. Right. That it's, it's just mind-boggling, and the fact that at fifty years in the sport, and I'm still learning new stuff, beautiful, and still working to get better even at some of the old stuff. I mean, it's, it's a sport. To,
0: I mean, it's amazing. It is an amazing sport. It is an amazing sport, <laughs> Man, And before we get to modern. I'm still with you at a 1,000 feet deploying this fucking reserve. What the hell?
1: Yeah, Yeah, about breaks you in half. I mean, as you pull that thing and you're rolling and by this time I've got enough experience to pay attention and I see this going away and you see air start to go into it, giving it a little bit of shape and you haven't even hit the end of the lines yet and you're going... Shit! This is gonna hurt (laughs) because remember, it's gonna tug you across. Right, it's gonna try to bend you this way, you know. And I'm trying to grab my legs and hang on,
0: you know. And you couldn't hang on, but so it pulls you from the hip. So you just
1: yeah, you're, you're right here. I mean, it's it's attached. Right? Oh Jesus. So you're and, looking and, and, up at it and, and, your and back you're and just... you and you're deliberately rolling, so you've set yourself up to be bent backwards. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>
2: at terminal. <laughs> at terminal.
0: But you were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at what point does Mark Farr come into the picture? Oh friend of the show, Mark Farr. Shout out, Mark.
1: Yes. Uh boy, I'm gonna say like about eighty three. 83. Okay. Yeah, I I had been I went out of the sport for a little while, and about five years, and I had been back in for three or four, uh,
0: and uh, that's when yeah yeah he showed up yeah. Okay, how did you get the first square in Alaska? How did you come across this new, fandangled?
1: Well, I mean. You know, everything gets advertised and get written up. I mean, the the non-commercial ones had been out there for a, a couple of years. Uh, Was it PD? No. Uh, ParaFlight.
0: ParaFlight.
1: Steve Snyder's
0: ParaFlight. Okay. Uh, I love you, PD. I'm always going to go back to y'all. Uh, <laughs> everything's PD to me. <laughs> so ParaFlight.
1: Wait, yeah. did they make the pterodactyl? No. Uh, who made? I can't remember who made the pterodactyl, uh, and I want to say Paraflight did not make any canopies until they started making
0: the square. Okay. Uh, what did they make? The Skymaster. Who made the Skymaster? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I I can't remember who made the pterodactyl.
0: Dude, I've seen Paraflight on old gear laying around. I know I've seen Paraflight,
1: and it's by the way the the. Uh, the pair of planes that are flying now, the self
0: the powered yeah, the PPGs. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one. I believe that's the same company. Okay, it's para. Oh fuck, that's what I've seen. Paraflight It's on my bag. It's on my canopy bag. You see if
1: they're still in Cherry Hill, New Jersey.
0: Wow, it is. Paraflight's on my canopy bag for my um uh, my fresh breeze. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I've seen this shit somewhere. Yeah. Okay, so they moved to the... You know, PD makes a, um, a PPG Canopy 2 called the Barnstormer. It's a 500-square-foot square. It's awesome. It's the greatest canopy ever to fly. Under no, a trike. You know, like the power... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, super dope. So, so, ParaFlight made your first square. What was it? Like a three sixty or some shit? No, no. 200-square-foot. It was just a 200. Exactly
1: rectangular. 20 by 10. Okay, uh and they were you know again this was the first commercial one uh you know Jalbert had has his out uh and they were messing with the the beginnings of the parafoil but they weren't commercial and you couldn't absolutely could not take them to terminal uh so here comes steve snyder and designs this and and this was overbuilt like you can't imagine. I mean, okay, I, uh, the reefing lines literally as big as my little oh, finger. Oh jeez, yeah, okay. and and even the suspension lines over half that.
0: I mean, wait, wait, it, wait, hold on. What's a reefing line? Ah, this is I gonna be a mean, little hard I to describe. I thought you meant just lines. No, what no. the hell's a reefing line?
1: What they they didn't. There were no uh, sliders then. Okay. So in order to control the opening, what Steve Snyder came up with, was on the top of the canopy. He had a system of rings and ropes, reefing lines, that were attached at the center and ran out through a series of rings to each corner, so there's four lines, mm-hmm. and as you packed it up on the ground, you cordoned it up and you stacked all this up, and now you've got about 24 25 foot of line above the top of the canopy because, mm-hmm. and what's designed, it's attached to the pilot chute.
0: The reefing lines are the
1: reefing lines are attached to the pilot chute. And when you deployed uh spring loaded pilot chutes, mm-hmm. that popped out, it drug everything out, and now the canopy's all squished up, uh-huh. uh huh and at that point it's trying to expand but the pilot shoots are trying to p- hold it closed and that was how he
0: controlled Oh, that's fucking clever. Uh yeah, yes so, so and no. Well, well, yeah, well fuck. I mean, what else are you going to do? But like so the pilot shoots holding the four corners like a minaret and it's keeping it from expanding until the pressure's too much and then it just overcomes it. Which is like line overs, malfunctions, tension knots galore, I'm sure.
1: There, it, it had a pretty high m- malfunction
0: rate. Yeah, I'm f- <laughs> <laughs> sure it You got a 20-foot bridle on your pilot shoe, and your pilot shoe is on four 20-foot bridles. Yeah. And wow. they're connected to the four corners of your cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the old school was rad, son. Yo, these cats were figuring it out and you and, go figure you go fucking get on the plane and figure it out with your home sewn shit i'm not doing it i'm not going to the garage and figuring out how to slow down this fucking
1: it so it you know it it worked uh did they have cells
0: oh yeah yeah it was uh when did cells come into picture because it no, went from this, rounds it, to cells and i don't understand this it how it, that happened
1: Jalbert is the answer uh and I can't remember his first name, but if you look up J A L B E R T, okay. Frenchman, he was the one that figured out that you could build an inflatable wing.
0: Mmm, was a Frenchman. Yeah, and it was a Frenchman. And, and yeah, yeah. so you
1: look up in your your skydiving. Wing. Yeah, <laughs> and and he had the first successfully deployable uh, wing, wing, and. Jalbert, Jalbert, uh, and then uh, at some point, Man, Steve do you know, Snyder.
0: Do you know what year that was? But yes,
1: I'm going to say around '68 or '69 okay. when the 70s. very
0: first square was in the air. Okay. Uh, he inflated and, a uh, wing, Jalbert, and he did it with cells.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was you would have you would recognize the canopy. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, yeah, you you would recognize it completely. Is going oh, that's a that, that's a square. That, that's it. That's it. That's the future. Yeah. And and then, uh, Jalbert's original ones were a, a little bit rounder, puffier. The cells maybe were bigger. Uh, Snyder came along and trimmed things up uh, a fair bit. Uh, not near as. Uh, Deep a cell, okay. and uh, a very rectangular shape, and uh, he put forty-foot lines. Jesus, he thought that the bottom of the canopy needed to be as flat as possible.
0: So I was going to ask you, was it curved or flat? And he it was, wanted it flat, like he a he wanted it flat and like, like a waterbed, no and <laughs> no, no stabilizer. Yeah, <laughs> it, very much. Yeah, like it, a waterbed. It,
1: it very much looked like an air mattress in the air.
0: I'm sure it did. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, what do you do? You don't fucking know. What do you do? You sew this shit up and go jump it.
1: Uh, it, it but it, this was commercial. He figured it out that it was good enough to be sold. Nowadays, given the liability situation, you could never sell that because uh, my malfunction rate was more than one in a hundred.
0: What was what was the name of the canopy? Paraplane. The paraplane. Yeah. That's and they come and cool.
1: they came in somewhat different varieties. Uh, what the one I'm talking about was, became referred to as the baby plane. It was the smallest. They they eventually upsized it a little bit, and then the next move was to change the reefing system, and start bringing it down through the center. That was the beginning of the slider. They the first.
0: Oh, okay, really. The wow. first
1: one, they they had rings uh-huh. and webbing connecting the rings, but uh-huh. no material, and the webbing.
0: Oh, had, really? On the lines.
1: And the webbing had a line attached to it that went right up through the center of the canopy to a pilot chute. Okay. And and again, the pilot chute now held that thing like a slider. Right. It held it up. And at some point somebody said, wait a minute. Why not take the pilot chute off of that end, attach it to the cloth in effect to be the system to slow it down, and we'll go ahead and put another pilot chute up on top to drag it all out.
0: Isn't that crazy? And now it's come back to the removable slider pilot chute, which is the pilot chute connected to the damn slider again. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that nutty? It's just full, full circle. Full circle. Cool. Isn't that cool? So um, let, let, just quick question on the original reefing, on the original paraplane. The rings were on the lines? The rings, no, the rings were on the canopy. They were on every load-bearing cell. Okay, but not on the So it wasn't connected. Cause I was starting to see something crazy. No, okay, cool. Nope, on the top of the
1: canopy in order to control the alignment of the lines
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to help with this, you know, having it all drawn up. If you can picture, if you side flake a canopy, mm-hmm. you know, the old school. The flat packet. Yeah, flat packet. When you laid it all down, all those rings Laid out, and then when you stacked it, all the rings wound up one on top. The mm, right one. There it is. So he of... put
0: his system together, Mr. Snyder, Steve Snyder, who was shout also shout out Steve Snyder. He... Oh,
1: oh. I should know the other guy's name because he's a famous aerobatic pilot. Uh, Steve Snyder and were the two people that first made a successful baton pass, which was right back in the, the...
0: day. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they actually got out of separate aircraft, but if oh. not, they were they were were actually they made it where the, one left and then the other one leaves, and this second one's got the baton and the other guy lands with the.
0: So here, before cameras, before GoPros, son, uh, you couldn't prove that you could fly. Everybody, you couldn't prove. They thought you were just falling the whole time, and they were like, "No, we're hooking up, we're flying around, we're doing cool shit." They're like, "No, you're not. You're like a rock." right? So, they would come up with t- b- baton <laughs> passes, where you get out of the plane separately, and you fly up, fucking fuck around in the sky, hand the baton to the dude, track away and land. Well, it, they were saying that you were passing it on exit. Like, it's impossible. Like, it didn't happen. So, they end up separating people on planes to prove that you, could pass, that you could actually fly to each other and get to each other and track away. Hey, That's how far we've come. Exactly. You know, and
1: At that point, very few people could really get together. We didn't know
0: jack. They didn't know how to straighten their legs, son.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we didn't. I mean, well, in in my own experience in Alaska, the first year that we got serious about building an eight way star, we didn't get it done.
0: Nineteen seventy three. A uh, couple of years in the sport, I'm sure. Let's
1: see. Uh, let's see. Actually, yeah, what was the year would that have been? Was that 71? Okay. Yeah, I want to say it was 71 uh, just before I, uh, 71 or early 72 possibly, something like that. Uh, and we were, we were trying to do it out of uh, Twin Beach, uh, uh-huh. Small Door, and we were even really smart enough we were putting the, the the base out the first person outside the door so th-
0: everybody had th- to so dive. everybody's got to dive yeah you know duh yeah.
1: and uh the next year we got our hands on a, a helioporter okay. big door right and now all of a sudden we're putting shout eight, out to the porter yeah yeah eight and nine people out the door into the air pretty close to the same time and you don't have to go very far Right. and uh, now all of a sudden we can do it uh, and, and now you've got heck uh, anybody that really wants to do belly uh, and wants to do it before their 100th jump they've been in an 8 way.
0: Well you get your SCR SCS easy. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Man, but shit, with these tunnels, Georgie, these cats have no idea what the heck they've got at their fingertips. Man, it took us a thousand years. I say it, it takes takes a thousand years to learn head down to the sky, right? But down a tunnel, you can go buy it for a couple hundred bucks. It's crazy.
1: There's been two huge advancements in our sport. The first was easily accessible video. Mm hmm. As a learning tool, As a, you know, now you can see. Oh, what those people are saying about me is true. I'll <laughs> There it is on film. I have to believe it. Right, right. You have you know, to believe it. And and so the the learning curve accelerates huge.
0: Right.
1: And then comes the tunnel.
0: Yeah, the beauty and the wonder, the yeah, power.
1: It's, it's yeah, and what it does is just, you know, I've got to. My personal example of the tunnel is uh, going to Italy with uh, three other 60-year-olds to compete in the POPs and the SOS, and uh, so uh, Bruce, Harry, Ed, and myself get together, and we make a couple of jumps in California, and we get a couple of hours of tunnel time, and then. Ed knows people at paraclete, and we go there. And was going to do two more, wound up doing three. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, the famous guy there, the uh, world skydiver coach. At any rate, oh, this is awful. I got to come up with his name. This helps hurts my memory. At any rate, we get tunnel so now we've got a total of five hours of tunnel we have a total of only like 11 12 13 jumps in the air together
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we go to italy there's an italian team that's been together for a year and a half practicing for this event
0: Mm -hmm. and in the sky only
1: in the sky only and a a german team that comes down that had been together for years.
0: In the sky only. In the sky only. Or you smashed Smoke Smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> Smoked smashed them. I, yo, I try to tell cats, man, that tunnel game. The tunnel game's not a joke, man. Skydiving serious. You got to be good at it. But if you want to be the best
1: player, still, you got to shred. I mean, but when you think about it, that five hours in the tunnel,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, every hour's yeah. it, at least worth.
0: 50 jumps. 50 fucking skydives, and then you sit flying in your green suit. Look at that, Georgie. Look at your buddy. Shredded. <laughs> Talking about this old man. Shredded, son. This catfly is a Valkyrie 96 hybrid. Man, I saw him on Comp v <laughs> Georgie, I love you to death, man. Hey, um, we were just pointing to the cups, and mine's empty. What is it we're drinking? Grab it. Let's oh. let's show the people. We're going to get to our Friday freakout. Uh, George has blessed us with a beautiful bottle of... Abalor. Mm-hmm. 16. Avalore 16. We're going to pass that Avalore 16. Line. I'm not releasing this publicly, so, well, on YouTube, but no. All right. So, you're a Scotch man. I have become one, yes. And you have a really fine palate for it. Explain to us Pete, again, real quick. I'm going to take a well, splash of that water.
1: Uh, and so, Pete is, well, in effect, very dense moss that they cut out of the ground. It is uh, used within the uh, older uh, Irish and Scotch community for heat and even for cooking and such. But within the distilling industry, it's used to cook the grain.
0: Uh, Why would it have a difference over any other wood? Does the, the smoke actually get into the oh, liquid? Oh, yes,
1: but uh, you got to look at the terrain. Uh You've got a lot of distilleries, both mm-hmm. in Ireland and Scotland. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of trees.
0: Uh, mm, if, if, gotcha, you had, Pete. If,
1: if you had been trying the the way the Scotsman likes his uh, his Scotch, uh, if you were having to use trees for the roasting the uh, the grain, I believe there'd not be a tree left in Scotland.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs>
1: they'd have cut every one down making a bottle of Scotch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Does the peat burn slower?
1: Uh, is it more I dense, or is just
0: more abundant? It,
1: it, it's it's abundant. It's you know free for harvesting. Uh, it, it's actually slower. It's a very dense. Uh, you, you, it comes out of the ground. It gets dried because, uh, like I said, it's it's like a very dense moss. It comes mm-hmm. out of bogs. Okay, uh, uh, and you'd never think, okay, the, you're going to get something to burn out of there. You know that's wet. Right. You you, you cut this dense uh, mossy. Uh, out and uh anyway that's what the the scotch uh figured out to roast their grain to uh then you put it in with the the water and uh i'm not sure what all else they put in there Mm -hmm. to create the mash
0: that uh you then ferment little splash so so the hotter, the faster, the cheaper, the slower, the longer, the better. Yeah, yeah. And Less peat. But you could taste the peat.
1: Oh, yes. And the real easy way uh, you, to taste the peat difference is you get something like Abelor, even the 12, uh, uh, and then you go buy uh, Johnny Walker. Okay. And that very different sharper taste is the higher peat and some okay. people like that i mean johnny walker blue is a very well-known scotch very expensive in the 200 dollars a bottle range right and if if you gave me one i'd be out there on the street corner uh anybody want this for 100 <laughs> <laughs> really
0: because it's so much peat
1: yeah i just i don't like it at all i have okay. been given a taste and
0: Right on. No, 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 no. no. Right on. <laughs> no, thank you. So we're gonna raise a drink to this fact. How many malfunctions you got? How many cutaways? Because I mean, you probably have a bunch of malfunctions. How many cutaways?
1: Six, I think.
0: Six and forty-four. You've never done tandems, though. No. no. Okay, so no. my numbers are probably about the same. I probably got less than you. I've got fourteen, I think, fifteen, but there are twelve tandems or something. So. Surviving Tandems, my friend. I mean, cutaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just skydiving. So we've got a Friday Freakout here. Um, oh, we we, we we will have it in a second. Uh, so you know what the Friday Freakout is. Join the team. Oh. I love skydiving.org. Join the They put out once a week, Andrew Reves. Andrew, I think I said your name right. Um, Skydivers send him malfunction videos and freakout videos, right? Oh. And he puts them on, and they're pretty cool. And now we're going to review one live as we, as we talk about it <laughs> over this wonderful scotch. I, Cheers uh, to the Friday freakout.
1: Oh yeah, I think I can see that way. Yes.
0: Oh, oh, right here. Right there. <laughs> oh cool. All right, so what we got this week. Join the team. All right. So, canopies open, gloves on, I don't jump gloves. Okay, it looks like something's wrong. Knot. Oh, look at that. On the left. On the right side. It's jacked up a little bit. See, on a tandem, you take the toggle, Georgie. You'd pull it and pop it. Pull it and pop it, and it'll come out. Because the tandems is a different thing. All right, you're spinning at the ground. Time to chop. Look, grab arch. Come on, dog. All right. Chop that shit, son. What are you doing? Oh, my God. What are you doing? What Holy the fuck God. are you doing? Here's the problem. Here's the problem with modern skydiving. Okay, here we go. So he finally chops it. So, so, so out of sequence will kill you, period. If you go out, it's right, left. People look, grab, arch, right, left, or whatever you were taught. This cat's spinning out of control, fighting his mane, and then he just pulls his reserve. (laughs) What the hell, son? All right, I hope you landed a bad spot for that decision.
1: (laughs) You know, and, and this brings up, you know, that we were talking about, and, and. and I hope you I, make it. I think that I'm glad I you do make it, so. something that they certainly don't train for now, but I've I've done it so many times that uh, it's. Uh, and I'm a. I put my hands on both of them. Fuck yeah, you and, do. And do
0: right, left, man. That's the way but, I but teach. You know, that's the way I've been taught. Uh, I, you
1: know, uh, I now go with uh, what they're teaching a lot now, and that is both hands. Look here both hands come here the reason it, yeah let's talk about
0: that, this go ahead
1: the reason that they're doing that is people get confused this person i believe got confused okay let's watch here he is slow-mo i think he, he forgot which hand
0: look was he pulling his toggle what was, he, what was he doing is his toggle locked no his toggle's free what was he doing no but he wasn't grabbing him he wasn't touching them. he was like slapping them, and now okay Boom, he got confused.
1: That's, that's my thing. That look,
0: he's, but he's doing both hands, Georgie. Look, he went straight to his reserve first, so he didn't go both hands like we're talking about. What the hell? See, yeah, so he did not He did the both-hand thing. He just went the wrong direction. So if you're going to get confused, you're going to get confused. Yeah, wow. He went left first. Uh, but he didn't look. Uh, yeah, exactly. He didn't look. But here's the deal with the right grabbing both of them. I mean, you've got them. And, and I... You know, I don't want to have to go back and find something in this moment of terror. I can tell you for sure that, and that's part of why I'm
1: this way, uh, a man named Gene Minell okay, in Anchorage, Alaska. Look, he's fucking twisted okay. in his reserve. Okay, got out. Okay, Gene Meynell. Uh, actually up at Willow, north of Anchorage, just a bit. Uh, Willow Winter Carnival. I would not go up and jump because it was too cold. It was well below zero. Not me. Yeah. And the amount of stuff that you're going to have to have on to protect yourself at that kind of temperature. And so anyway, out out Gene goes, and he's got on ski goggles, so that's restricted his vision. He's got on ski gloves. No feel. And Mm. he didn't locate both handles. He found the cutaway. And cut away.
0: Never got to it.
1: Never found the reserve.
0: And this is before RSL? Before
1: RSLs. No automatic openers.
0: Nothing. Nothing. Oh, um, I'm sorry, Georgia.
1: No. Listen to
0: the rest of the story. Okay.
1: <laughs> Gene hits a small black spruce, like, you know, maybe 10, 12 feet tall. And... Either he was already going that way or he, it's enough to get him almost flat on his back. And he hits into l- less, much less than two feet of compacted snow. It hadn't snowed recently, so this is not super soft, fluffy stuff. And Jim and Spanky are out trudging, looking for the body. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which one says, I heard something. They stop. No, nothing. They trudge, trudge, crunch, crunch in the snow. I heard something, and they stop. And they hear, Gene, I'm alive. I'm alive. Fuck, yeah. No life-threatening injuries.
0: Oh, wow. Oh wow! So when I was younger, I'd read about i read about those World War Two guys that had to or World War One guys that have to bail out. What was over Poland and shit? That was World War Two. Yeah, they'd have to bail I'd, out the a B seventeen. Yeah, and they'd they'd hit the snow bank at the right angle and they'd be fine.
1: In his case, it wasn't snow bank; he hit flat. He just ground. flat ground, fucking crazy. Yeah, fucking crazy.
0: So man, when'd you get to Texas, Georgie?
1: We came down in. 87
0: 88 okay were you jumping st- oh hardcore
1: yeah. then uh hardcore no I all the time I was in Alaska I struggled because flying is summertime mm-hmm. intensive jumping yeah 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 and so right of course uh, a, a, a lot of years I struggled 30 jumps I'd, I'd have to go down to California to to get some some numbers right on uh, and then even when we first moved down here I'm still working a lot Struggling to make a hundred, but mm-hmm. I retired in 09
0: mm-hmm. and that's when I you hit. You've been it. rocking your shit ever <laughs> since, man. This, been a,
1: this is a poor year. I'm going
0: to be under 300 this year. Fuck off, George. <laughs> So, uh, man, your canopy progression impressed the shit out of me because I am a canopy guy. But I didn't know you were a helicopter pilot, which translates. It makes total sense. When I have pilots at the tunnel, like, if a guy tells me. So one of my favorite jokes is, "How do you know if there's a pilot in the room?" He's going to fucking tell you. Right? And then they tell you. I hate that the truth. Yeah, they tell you. Yeah, I'm a pilot. But I know that guy is going to get it in the wind tunnel. I know he's going to have 360 left, 360 right, up, down, forward, back. It's intuitive. They've already done it in aircraft. Now they're just doing it with their body. So it translates to canopies, doesn't it? Oh, even much, much better.
1: Uh, especially the helicopter part. Okay. Uh, the angles can be much more similar than than airplane. Uh and just anyway, but it's all air sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So air sense, yeah. Uh,
0: and so that that fly, copyrighted Wazzy Circus Radio bitches don't take that air sense, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, air sense. And and so I've
1: done weird, can, way out of what is proper. But when you look at alls, I did was fly, right. And then now I'm skydiving, and I was able. So, like, I went from a two fifteen F one eleven down to a one fifty five ZP as a jump. Uh, then I jumped uh, that uh, one thirty six Samurai for a long time. Yeah,
0: you're a Brian Germain fan.
1: Oh, I'm a a big shout out to J- Brian Germain.
0: So yeah, the canopy and its pilot is a big part of my path. I mean, of course, as a young jumper back in the fucking uh, like early two thousands. You know, his book was, was, was religion. He He's a guru of
1: canopy flight and skydiving mentality or
0: consciousness. Consciousness is a good way to put it.
1: Uh, I mean, I just... I, Awareness. I, I was lucky enough to be in early on his samurai, and I, I talked to him about it, and I had one, and just...
0: I didn't like the samurai Georgie. I loved it. The closed cell joint that kicked your ass once you landed?
1: Well, there's that, there is that little problem getting off the... <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: hey, but guys. I, hey, guys. I'm talking about getting drugged across the fucking landing area, <laughs> baby. Hey, the nose cell's locked. So when you <laughs> <laughs> landed... This motherfucker was still inflated, I I, man. I You were still flying until you I got don't in the pack room. Speak, <laughs> I don't speak ba- badly about one of my heroes
1: in this well, sport. I, right.
0: uh, I will. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Okay. No, no, Jermaine, no. you're the man. Hey, you're the man. No, no. The, the canopy's dope. I flew it fucking amazing but when i got to the ground it would not quit dog well the hero i'm talking about is you and and not being
1: clever enough to learn how
0: to deal with that
1: thing oh jesus Christ. no that <laughs> i was it teach you. i was done
0: i was d- it wouldn't stop oh no motherfucker wouldn't stop i was like what the fuck i was gonna chop it and just walk away i was so mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the wind was blowing yeah and, it was and, bad and, and you were you were getting to the house today no <laughs>
0: But, I but, seen it been but, there. but 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 <laughs> later, later on in my career, Kevin Kologi, shout out Kevin Kilo, uh, skydive Dallas. He flew one, and you know what? Uh, never had a burble, never had a hesitation. That canopy was solid as a rock to the ground. It just stayed solid until you put it in the packing room and deflated it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I loved it. I
1: I went to that when this Monarch 155 I had, which had good manners, didn't. You know, it wasn't like what happened.
0: Shout out the Monarch. It was a Saber 1, basically. But better. Except
1: that better, it opened heart.
0: better,
1: it, he it claims. Better landing. Uh, nope. What? Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. Because it, it planed out better. Ah, uh, it but, was fast. And, and a much flatter glide. Uh, Not better. But it did tend to open a little <laughs> hard. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: Monarch. Dude, listen to Slam. me. Listen to what he just said. It opened harder than the Saber 1. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Who wants to wrestle the rock? No, you don't want that. It opened harder. Listen, the Sabre 1 has the... The Monarch was worse. So it was a great... So I have the same argument because I love the Sabre 1. It just opened hard, great flight. The Monarch did fly great. I don't know if you remember, Marcus, my tattoo artist, early skydiving, man. This cat was out of control, over the buildings. If he wasn't under that fast-ass monarch, dude, he would have been a tin man. But that monarch (laughs) right over the building. You know what I mean? Like We were like, oh, shit. He picked up his feet and made it. We were like, what is that? I was like, oh, it's that fucking weird-ass parachute he's flying. (laughs) But at any rate, one day
1: uh, I'm coming in, and
0: uh, all of a sudden
1: uh, probably a dust devil that we couldn't see. right. And my canopy.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: And I'm at oh, God. about 50 feet. Oh, God. And at about 15 feet, it goes pooh. <sighs> and I says, I started asking her, well, what, what, what would fight that off better? And somebody said, have you heard about Brian Germain's airlocks?
0: Yep, 100%. And,
1: and he the Lotus had been out for quite a while, but he'd just coming out with the the Samurai. And I called him up, and we talked, and... And he, he made me one.
0: What was that hideous purple fucking thing? The purple, the ugliest pattern canopy you've ever seen. And the pilot shoot was the same. It was a Brian Germain. Brian, that was the ugliest ZP you could ever fucking. Oh, remember. did he do a, a Was it a Jedi?
1: And... Oh, was, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah.
0: motherfucker was hideous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Jedi, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, but i flown that Jedi on the dunes in California a bunch, and that motherfucker was awesome. Yeah, his canopies are great. And you guys got to understand this dude's in a garage with like a, a ruler and a fucking razor cutting his parachutes and sewing but, I mean, them together. This is I, before lasers and PD 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 baby Not a sponsor But I, yet. But I tell you, yeah, you know, sponsor uh, me son. I
1: I've, I've had 3 uh 136s. I had one of his real early ones then he g- gave me a deal to get uh an at cost my second one uh but that was a PD made one. Uh
0: PD PD
1: And then he stopped for a while and myself and another guy uh, managed to get him started again. On, okay. On the Samurai. And he made his canopies pack smaller than exactly the same one. Dude, you guys he are uses a, a fucking cult. He, you, Brian Germain, guys
0: are in a goddamn cult. He uses cult.
1: a tighter seam allowance. I don't,
0: I don't, I don't want to hear this shit, I, George. Another thing I like is that,
1: <laughs> that he uses that. Uh, oh, uh, my God. The, uh, the grommets on the uh, slider are listen, the one-sixteenth Listen, you guys, they listen. Come down. Listen. Yeah, nicer.
0: Listen. This is a cult. Yeah. Watch, he's about to explain why. Everything. Every stitch. Uh, but, Watch.
1: But, but, hey, but, but yeah, I got to <laughs> say. All you
0: guys, all you guys are like Brian Germain Jermaine Nazis, man. You're no, like, oh.
1: but I, I, I'm not on
0: the sensei. I, all right. I, I, I tried
1: it, uh-huh. and then, then I tried the Valkyrie. Uh,
0: you went from the sensei to the Valkyrie?
1: No, I I What's demoed the, a, a velo
0: sensei. You didn't go to the velo did you?
1: I I I jumped Collins and uh, who else? Somebody else's velo Probably and then I demoed
0: uh, a Comp one hundred and three. I remember. So I caught up with you in the Comp. Yeah, and I was like, and, "What the hell are you doing, Georgia? You out of your goddamn mind? You are like, "Well, I've flown the velo I was like, "Dude, what are you doing? You are like, "I got this. And I saw you land. I was like, "He's got this. And a lot of that, that you know, people.
1: Talk to me, and
0: how many people oh, told you not to do that? Everybody.
1: No, no, no. Uh Some of the people that knew me, all they said was, "Be be careful," <laughs> you know. Uh, but they they knew. Yeah, they they'd, they'd watched me fly the samurai, and the people that knew about the samurai, right? Because, and this was the thing that really really helped, because uh, I was given a lot of scary type oh this you know you're gonna kill yourself you know uh, near-death experience advice type shit
0: and i i wanted to approach you with the same but i didn't but i wanted to be like hey man
1: but the thing that that a lot of people missed and pd did too uh because uh, i had to go had a lot of trouble acquiring my first
0: valkyrie (laughs) I, i remember you jumped through hoops I, and uh, I don't think they were the right hoops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I won't name any names. Hey, I, I'll, you but, mean, you're a goddamn honorary ghetto
0: bird with me. But even but, me. But even, even
1: PD has forgiven me because they oh, sold yeah. me the. Uh, the yeah, 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 yeah. See,
0: sometimes you got to make shit happen.
1: And, and so, at any
0: rate, <laughs> the, the thing that, that made it all
1: work a lot easier uh-huh. was that. Brian Germain's Samurai, and the Katana, which basically is PD kind of looked at. <laughs> yes, yeah. they did. Oh, well, I don't know.
0: I love PD, but <laughs> yeah. the yeah. rumor has it. The, the
1: similarities between that and what was their, uh, the Vengeance uh, was their close mm-hmm. hell. The similarities to the Samurai are fairly remarkable. <laughs> but the Vengeance
0: is gone now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, vengeance, Jesus! You're a freaking library of this. <laughs> do you remember that canopy? Oh yeah, I, I've got, I made a few jumps on it. it. It they
1: they didn't do as
0: it wasn't that well put together. It was a, it was a out yeah, thing. Yeah, they oh they,
1: yeah, they, well, they they couldn't get any closer to the samurai without being get their hands spanked. So well, they, 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 <laughs> and they'd
0: spin up. Yeah. Well, the, the, the,
1: quite honestly, the, the the samurai is is very twitchy. It's much. It's not as twitchy as a, as a Velo, but it's much, much twitchier than the, the Valkyrie. Right. The Samurai is. Oh, oh. Well, but, but anyway, the, yeah. the thing that made this transition from a 136 Samurai to a 103 uh, Velo, Comp Velo, and then a, a 103 Valkyrie is that the Samurai, and Brian built in what he originally called a negative recovery arc meaning one of the very first canopies that tended to stay in a dive, you know, that took a long time. The only thing that takes longer is the katana uh, Mm -hmm. and not much. So anyway...
0: Well, the katana's ground hungry. Everybody knows that. The
1: the samurai, you know, is... uh, Well,
0: because it locks in, it's fucking airlocks at the ground and it doesn't... (laughs) And that's what Brian wanted. Right, yeah. Well, did he? No, yes.
1: I can guarantee you that that's what he wanted. The reason I can guarantee that is in our conversations, he specifically talked about having designed the canopy to have a much longer recovery arc. And his explanation was that with a long recovery arc, you had time to look at and correct recovery yeah, course, arc without yeah. having not you know, like if you're doing a stiletto you're doing you no
0: time. Right stiletto. yeah you have no time dude jermaine was a fucking guru he's the yoda of the sport so he's trying to give you time so that's why where do you start your turns at what are you doing oh for 270s? my valkyrie yeah uh
1: a little under 500
0: oh so you're doing oh you're doing your 270s at 500 no 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 no, no i'm doing only 500s. doing 90s
1: I'm, you're doing 90s i do that you know that weird ninety that I do. I turn away and then come back. No, that's a 180,
0: man. You're fucking nah, cheating really. a one eighty. No, 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 no. Yes, you not, are. No, it's, get the no, fuck out of here. No, no. Spaceland, no. where they say only nineties, and you guys yeah, swing right and look at, well, that's a one eighty. God I'm, damn it. I'm, I'm gonna
1: call it uh, a one twenty to maybe a
0: little less than one. If if I
1: if I nobody's around and nobody's looking and I and I've got I'll I'll go a little further away and that gives me a but uh, around one twenty to one fifty is what my turn is. Okay. But I get an advantage. At 500 feet. Yeah. I get a little advantage because by turning away, in effect, I'm getting more like the effect of a 180. (laughs) Fucking joy. Are you an attorney right now? but, But I want to. So many drop zones say nothing over a 90. Right. And they'll let you cheat a little. (laughs)
2: And
0: the more gray and the more hair you've got, the,
1: the yeah, more they let, they me let cheat. you <laughs> cheat a little. They
0: don't let everybody cheat. Ah, uh, but
1: I, but I, but I watch Thomas and he cheats too. <laughs> ah, yeah, well, he's the
0: boss, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, super impressive, George. Um, I, man, I, ageism is it the real thing? And you've cured me of it. Like I can't, I will never judge anyone. Because you have broken every mold I've ever seen. You're free flying. Are you in your head?
1: No. Because I haven't reached my sit goal. Okay. I'm really, really close. My can sit- I take
0: you there? Once you hit your sit goal, can I take you there? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Please. You get uh, ten minutes with me because of the show. You get ten minutes, coach. We'll do some network or something. Because George, I've seen I've seen your progression. I've been watching you for what, six years? Now, here in Texas. Yeah. You know, I've watched you fly. Oh, we've done some big ways together. We did George Bush's thing together. We built that. Uh, so, the logo, you're on this jump. These are the 22 ways we did like two or two. Yeah, right? And you guys built that round for me, and I went head down, out face carving with you guys. One of the, that, you know, I, I, honest, I don't roll and
1: smoke up my, my host's ass, but what? you're one of my heroes in this sport. When I watched you carve inside that thing, I was just so smoke-stoked.
0: <laughs> that was, was so frickin' cool. That was a cool <laughs> fucking joke. Hey, and I didn't know if I could carve that slow. And Mark was like, try. And I went in, and it was working, and I could see all your faces as I went by. And everybody's face was like, whoa! And I was like, whoa! Dude, that was fucking... We've had a fucking blast. I, did, I had
1: no idea that anybody could be in that kind of attitude. And and I could see, I mean, you had everything you laid out that you could get.
0: Yeah, I was pretty mad.
1: To, to be able to stay up and move at the same time. But the idea that you could be in that kind of attitude and stay with belly flyers and go around the inside, I was just like,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, that was fucking dope. <laughs> And then look here. Um, was that that's the uh, what's the name of that plane, Georgie? Oh, the, so that's uh, the intro to the show. We've been on some cool jumps, George Neeson. We've been together for a little bit. So, um, the intro of the show. I'm getting out of that C47. That's at the the um Bluebonnet Air Show. What was the name of the plane? Uh, it's a beautiful plane. Each bolt is marked. Right? Did you see that?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, that's the one that burned up. And yeah, I I wasn't at. I don't think I was at that one because I. I got to jumper at Hondo. Okay. Uh got I I made a You're flight. right there, George. You're yeah. right there in the oh, picture,
0: George. Yeah. Oh,
1: that, okay, then that's that's at Hondo. Yeah. Oh, that Hondo's my fault then. Okay. Yeah. And that's cool that that's when I jumped the flag there.
0: Nice. So you got so. flag jumps. You got your uh parading? Oh yeah. Did you? Good for you. I've never needed it. I still get to do demos without it. I
1: uh
0: <laughs> I didn't say that. I got yeah,
1: got my flag, ju- or my uh, pro rating.
0: First try, ten jumps. Nice, fuck yeah, you did, Georgia, goddamn <laughs> pilot, you goddamn war hero. No, I, che- <laughs> I, I cheated.
1: Ah. On the very first jump, I jumped. Then I had a monarch. Okay. Uh, and I, I got the monarch in, and then I switched to my uh, Falcon two fifteen. Oh, you <laughs> sunk that shit in. Hey, was your monarch
0: <laughs> red and white? No,
1: it was a rainbow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what's this
0: night jump right here, George? That's a oh. big way belly.
1: Oh yeah, that is a forty uh, way world record. Fuck yeah, uh, that's see.
0: a forty way well, world record. Is that the forty or the sixty-four? That looks sixty-four-ish, my friend. I think friend.
1: that's sixty-four. That's the uh, the next year. Nice, dude. Uh, and then uh, last year we did a uh, four point eighteen way in the dark. Nice. So man. You've lived all over the world. Uh, no I can't say lived all over the world. You I did, traveled, bit right. You know, I yeah, I lived in Vietnam, uh, and I've I've been in Australia. Uh, I've been in Norway about five times. Uh, Ireland, Scotland, Germany, yeah, uh, Italy, uh, twice, and I'm going to go again this year. Uh, how much of that is because of skydiving? Uh Two Italy trips for skydiving, and that's going to take me back again. Uh, Roger Ponce, shout-out to Roger Ponce, now in the Hall of Fame. Uh, shout-out to the Skydiving Hall of Fame. That is a worthwhile contribution. It's going to be a reality
0: uh, it is. with the help of iFly. We're donating We're donating a the tunnel building. to the museum. Yeah, yeah, we're donating the building and a tunnel to the museum. It's going to be pretty rad. It is, yeah. Shout-out to the it's US USP. Make it a We reality. love you guys, even though I talk shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Roger
1: Ponce... Uh, and uh, Claudio Safini uh, in Italy, uh, they gather up some Italians and some Americans, and uh, uh, we go to Ravenna, and uh-huh. uh, and we jump together. Where's Ravenna? It is uh, like an hour and a half uh, to the uh, south, south southwest of uh, Venice. Okay, uh, it's a uh, seaport. Uh, Great seafood. The airport's uh, about four or five miles from the uh, water.
0: Uh, Oh, from the the, the drop zone.
1: Yeah, from the Adriatic, yeah. The drop zone's about four or five miles from the Adriatic. And uh, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, skydive, pull out Ravenna. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I've heard there might be better restaurants on a drop zone, but uh, I haven't. And the, the vibe... Ravenna is like being in the u.s 20 years ago oh they are jumping when the sun goes down the the last jumpers are coming down and you're standing up on top of an old uh bunker uh watching the sun go down over there and the if the wind's right, the skydivers are coming over the top of your head, and, and you've got a spritzer in your hand. That is. and, and uh, heaven on earth. The uh, the vibe. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm going back.
0: Yeah, I um I remember after my first jump, I crashed in. I destroyed that. It was terrible. Um, didn't flare, slid on my face. But when I looked at the sky, George, I knew I was where I should be. You know what I mean? Like that was it for me. I was and never quit since.
1: And, and my first jump was exactly the opposite. You stuck it. I, I was scared. So I was scared worse than being shot at. And I knew what being shot at was.
0: Right, right. At that point, you did Yeah.
1: yeah. And the only reason I made another one was that there was no way that I could go back to Vietnam and Bobby Busher, and tell him I'd only made one
0: right oh that was that, uh yeah I mean, yeah, now yeah that
1: scared me worse than the jump and so i went up and made another one. Oh, wait a second you stuck it and 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 the next one and and by the time i made the third one the people the, the jump masters are going
0: uh good I, job
1: yeah good job good job
0: how was your first exit
1: well the very first exit like i said uh was a static line? My ass was so tight that you couldn't have driven a, a, right. <laughs> a
0: ten penny nail with a yeah. ten pen it, it was static line, like hang off oh, the okay. strut.
1: I actually not not hang onto the strut. It was crawl out on, again one eighty. So you got yeah. a small step out there with a little a little bit extra. But you crawl out on the step and you actually leaped off. They hadn't figured out that the, that hanging was a lot better deal. Oh
0: fuck! So you turned and
1: jumped? No, you you were supposed to hop off. Okay. And, and of course, so they had a whole lot of people that didn't move their feet, and they pushed. and
0: Oh, back rolled, yeah, all and, day. And, and I
1: eventually became, oh, how the sport has changed. So when I came back from Vietnam, now I'm back up there flying some, and, and uh, now I'm the club president, the club trainer, the club rigger, and uh, I'm training with a, I've got a B license.
0: And you're training everybody. And, and I'm, I'm experienced. I'm, right, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm a real yeah. There's nobody else around. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, there's some guy, freshly retired right now, watching this show. 55, 60, 65 years old. Would you tell him to go skydive?
1: I would have a question.
0: What is the question?
1: i want to be looking in his eyes. How fit are you?
0: How fit are you? That's what it comes down to: fitness, mental fitness, or physical, both. Both, of course. I knew but, that when I, I asked. I mean, the,
1: the, the automatic, both of them are a disqualifier. Uh, but our our country now, when you walk through the mall,
0: oh, at at fifty
1: five yeah. years old,
0: yeah, they're done. At forty years old, guys my okay, age are so, done.
1: So, it's age is not the factor. The factor, the the problem with age, is how much work. It takes to stay fit enough. Uh, especially, all sports have injuries, and will you do what it takes to come back?
0: Have you been injured in the sport? Oh yeah. What's happened?
1: Uh, dislocation, bad dislocation. I remember that, and you had yeah, to, yeah that, I remember the, that. that. That the the initial was that from an opening? No, from trying to play around. Uh, Surfing uh, the ground and, and hung up a foot and Super. then tr- then tried to run it out instead of how fu- how fucking old were you, Georgie? G- I was <laughs> sixty-five <laughs> or oh jeez, straight arm to ground at a full run, yeah. But anyway, I I wound up with a you know a pretty heavy duty uh, rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, I remember I, you
0: couldn't fly, you couldn't do anything for a little bit.
1: Why seven months before I could skydive again. But the answer to the age thing is basically, will you work hard enough to stay fit?
0: Mm. But this gives you a reason to stay fit.
1: Oh, that is absolutely... And it's why both my family doctor and my surgeon both Mm
0: -hmm.
1: want me to keep skydiving.
0: Because it is your reason.
1: It is why I am the... I don't know, one percent of seventy-one year olds, or whatever that is. I mean, uh, I'm fit and healthy
0: because of
1: skydiving. I mean, there's absolutely one hundred percent that is why I am. It's the motivator. It's what makes me stay at the weight I keep. And what you know, when I screw shit up, it's what makes me go to the doctor, go to the therapist, and then get back in the gym. Skydiving. Skydiving.
0: God bless it.
1: God bless it. Jeff McVeigh, shout out to him.
0: Shout out, Jeff. You need to be on the show, buddy. He'll be uh,
1: Yeah, Yeah. We say to, to each other, how lucky are we? Mm. How lucky, how are,
0: lucky we? are we?
1: How lucky are we? On Sunday, we're getting out of the airplane, helping up-and-comers get better. Yeah. And having fun,
0: having a fucking blast,
1: and and they're thanking us, thinking we we're
0: not have they don't they don't get it that we're <laughs> yeah we're way more fun than they are. They have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, that's not yeah, it's yeah. not for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's it, for the old dudes. It, <laughs> this this sport is. uh Cheers! Hey, we're gonna end it on this, Georgie. Yeah. Hey, this sport. Skydiving. Skydiving. Hey, keep your head on a swivel. Hook that shit, learn how to skydive, it'll change your life and save mine. My guest, George Neeson, if you need a reason, I got it for you. It's right here, Wazzy Circus Radio. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good times. That was a great. We got to do it again. Oh, We're only halfway through, buddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: I got, I got a million more we stories. We haven't even you don't started me. yet. We yeah.
0: haven't even started yet. Love.
2: Damn, <laughs> <Yeah>, let's go. Woof. <laughs>
0: back and track the way